Back at her for another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com and MMAopinion.co.uk. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand, and for the first little bit of this show, we'll be joined by MMASucker.com correspondent, Asian correspondent, Thinesh John, who also works with Fight Sport Asia. Thinesh, thanks for, uh, for joining me today, man. Yeah, man, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, we've had you on board with MMASucker.com for quite some time now, but we've never actually had you on the radio show or the podcast, so just let our listeners know your background and, and how you got into the MMA journalism scene. Um, you know, I, I basically started off because of a guy named Justin Fox. You know, he just um, basically um, asked me to try it out, you know. Um, I started off writing for um, Bleacher Report for a while, um, just just writing about football articles and pro wrestling articles and then slowly as I got into the sport of mixed martial arts um, it was awesome and I just loved it and started writing about it and here I am. That's awesome now we love having you on board so let's talk some fights uh, last weekend we had UFC 170 um, there, there was some lots of talk going into the event we had four um, undefeated fighters in the main event and co-main event. We had three Olympians on the card. Let's talk about the co-main event a little bit. Cormier defeated Cummins, which was no surprise. Um, what do you think's next for Daniel Cormier? Do you think he deserves that title shot, or, or does he need another another crack at the light heavyweight division before he gets a shot at John Jones? I honestly think he needs another crack. Um, you know, I think the winner of Alexander Gustafsson against Jimmy Manua. You know, I think Daniel Cormier should face the winner of that fight. Um, you know, Cormier versus Jones, I don't think it makes much sense right now. I think Jones should just take on um, uh, Glover Teixeira and then, you know, Daniel Cormier should slowly build his way to 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 the title shot. You know, I think um, the winner of the Gustafsson Manuel fight, I think it would make sense for Daniel Cormier next. I'd, I'd agree with you there, and I think I think there's no point in rushing um, Cormier since he, he's just started in the light heavyweight division. He made the cut look very easy, which was great. Um, another fight, the fight before the co-main event, we had Rory McDonald, who looked like an absolute monster in rounds two and three. The first round, Damian Maya had his way with him when he took him down. Were you at all surprised in the second and third round that McDonald was able to, to weather the storm and, and stuff the takedowns as he did? No, I wasn't surprised. I mean, come on, he's, he's, he's Rory McDonald. The guy's really talented. He's arguably right now one of the best welterweight fighters in the whole world. Um, yeah, you know, it, it takes a lot of heart. It takes a lot of character to just, you know, rebound from a tough first round like that. I think personally a lot of fighters would have just broken down and, you know, they, were, they would have been content with the decision loss. But McDonald, you know, he just wants to get that. Um, title strap around his waist and you know he fought through you know rounds two and three was so dominant you know he looked so good Damian Maya looked like a zombie man you know McDonald you know he, he he's legit man I think 
you know, um, he'll be a real force to be reckoned with in the future. A lot of people are, are saying that, that that win should should lock him in as sort of the number one contender, George St. Pierre included. Um, I know with your What's Next piece, you don't think he should face um, the winner of Johnny Hendricks versus uh, Robbie Lawler next, do you? No, um, you know, basically, you know, I think he, he's a very talented kid, but I just don't think he's ready for a title shot yet. You know, he needs, I think, at least another one or two fights. And if he wins both of them, you know, it would make sense to put him up with a champion. I, until then, me personally, I, I don't think he should get a title shot just yet. Now let's talk the main event. Um, Ronda Rousey finishing Sarah McMahon rather early. She landed that that nasty knee to the liver which dropped McMahon and then referee Herb Dean stepped in very very quickly I I personally thought the fight was stopped a little short I thought McMahon probably could have gotten back to her feet I know liver shots like we saw we've seen you know guys land that nasty liver kick like Anthony Pettis did and and Donald Cerrone was just stunned and and he said that that was a worse knockout than being knocked out cold because you just can't move but as Herb Dean was stepping in, it, it looked like McMahon was trying to at least get back to her feet. And whether it would have lasted another 5-10 seconds with Rousey absolutely dominating her on the feet, who knows. But in a title fight, with as much lead-up to it as this was, I thought that it should have lasted a little longer. What were your thoughts? I agree 100%. I mean, you know, I think one of the reasons why Herb Dean stepped in that early was because, you know, perhaps um, Sarah McMahon was a female fighter. That's why, you know, if it was a male fighter, you know, maybe he would have, you know, given um, the opportunity for the fighter to recover, maybe take a few more shots, you know, and then see if he's able to recover, if not stop the fight. But, you know, maybe with Sarah McMahon being a female fighter and everything, you know, that's the reason why he stopped it that early. Personally, you know, I think in a title fight like this one, you know, I think fighters wouldn't mind getting the extra punches on their face. You know, it, it's, you know, it does a lot at stake. You know, she has that Olympic pedigree and then um, not, not forgetting to mention the fact that she's unbeaten and everything. You have to give her a chance to recover, you and, know. Yeah, yeah, and she was landing fairly well when they were standing toe-to-toe. She landed a few big shots to Rousey's chin, and, and it was great to see Rousey actually take the shots and, and just keep going. But McMahon was, I, I, I wouldn't say dominating, but I think she was outlanding Rousey on the feet. Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, she's, she's a legit fighter. You know, her striking has improved a lot since her wrestling days. And yeah, you know, who knows what might have happened if, if, if the fight had continued. I honestly don't know, but yeah, it was a premature stoppage. Do you think that possibly Herb Dean, and I hate to, you know, the what if questions or, or what was going through his mind, because obviously we should have gotten Herb Dean on the show to talk about it himself, but do you think that possibly because of the fight earlier in the evening, we saw TJ Waldberger um, take some serious blows from Mike Pyle, and, and he didn't stop that fight quick enough. Do you think that was going through his head, possibly, come this main event? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, I agree. Maybe, you know, he felt that, he felt guilty about it, and, you know, he felt he had to make amends for it, and, yeah, maybe that's why he made the decision. Now, who do you think Rousey should face next? Does Kat Zigano come back? Does Alexis Davis get the shot? Um, Chris Cyborg Santos announced that she's dropping to 35 who do you think we'll see Rousey fight next? You know what, man? I, I've been honestly thinking about this fight a lot. I think, you know, Alexis Davis, 
you know, if she were to get that title shot, I, I honestly think Rousey walks through her pretty easily. Um, Alexis Davis is a talented fighter. You know, I like her credentials and everything, but I think Ronda Rousey beats her pretty pretty easily. Maybe a first round stoppage. Um, Kat Zingano, you know, she's been she's been out for a while, and obviously she's got a lot of emotional emotional stuff going on, and you know, you just don't know the the sort of mindset she'll be in if she does get the title shot and uh, and how she'll actually feel on fight night. You know, I, I personally think Cyborg should should face Rousey next, you know. I think the UFC should capitalize on this opportunity, you know, as quickly as possible because you, you just never know what happens in MMA, you know. Now GSP, you know, with him relinquishing the title and leaving the division and Anderson Silva with the leg break, you know, it, it pretty much ruins a lot of possibilities for super fights and stuff. So, you know, I think I think the UFC should just capitalize on this on this Rousey versus Cyborg fight as soon as possible. You know, at least for you know um, the fans' sake. You know, I I couldn't agree more. I think we're gonna see Cyborg get her 135 pound fight in Invicta, which will give Rousey time to go do the movies and whatnot and what she wants to do. And then we'll see Cyborg transition over to the UFC. I think it would be absolutely stupid for the UFC not to sign Cyborg if she is a dominating factor in her initial fight with Invicta. Yeah, I agree. She's a beast, man. Yeah, it would be really stupid of them to not sign her. Exactly. Now, this weekend, um, we've got a little fight card, the Tough China finale, and it airs exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. Um, I figured we could go over this a little bit since you are our Asian correspondent. Yeah, sure, man. I'm glad to. <laughs> now, kicking off the main card, let's start with the main card. We got an exciting matchup between Hatsu Hioki and Ivan Menjivar. How do you see this one playing out? Um, you know, I like both fighters. You know, both guys are, are really experienced. You know, I just think Hioki hasn't quite hit his stride in, in the UFC yet, you know. He's on a three-fight losing streak, and um, a lot of them have been by decisions. Actually, in fact, he hasn't been been stopped in any of his losses. All seven of his losses have been decisions. Um, yeah, like I said, he hasn't quite, you know, found his mark in in the UFC. And against Ivan Menjava, I think it'd be a perfect opportunity for him to just showcase his skills. You know, he had that that one win and he had two he has two wins you know he started off his UFC career really well I just thought um you know he's you know with that three fight losing streak and you know I just I just felt that uh, he succumbed a lot to the wrestling prowess of his opponents um Ivan Menjava I think he has the better striking abilities maybe against Hayoki he'll, ex- he'll expose that and you know I think I, I'm actually favoring Ivan Menjava for this one I think his striking abilities will be a big factor I'm I'm not so you know confident about Hiyoki's um, stand-up prowess. I think Menjava has the edge in the stand-up department and Hiyoki in the uh, grappling department. But I don't see Hiyoki personally taking Menjava down. I think Menjava's going to dominate him on the feet. You think it'll go to the distance? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now the next matchup on the card, we've got Von Lee versus Nam Fan, which was promoted to the main card due to some very interesting circumstances, which you mentioned um, a couple days ago, actually. We won't, we won't go into those. Uh, no one said anything officially, so we'll, we'll just leave it as it is. You can check Thinesh John's uh, Twitter page if you want to see what, what's been going on. But uh, Fan has been 
that sort of middle-of-the-pack fighter since his UFC debut. Do you think he has what it takes to beat Lee? Yeah, I think he does. Um, you know, Fan is the, you know, Nam Fan, he is a really good all-around fighter. You know, he, he's not just good at one aspect. I feel he's, he, you know, his, his stand-up abilities and his grappling um, abilities, they're all really good. You know, he just hasn't been able to get that consistency in the UFC. That's That's been his downfall, in my opinion. You know, he's... You know, he, he wins fights and then the next one he loses and then he gets back on the win column again. He's just not finding that consistency. And we, we all know for a fact that, you know, consistency is very important in a fighter's career. You know, um, against Von Lee, you know, likewise for Von Lee, um, hasn't found hit his stride yet in the UFC. And I think Nam Fan has the ability to pull off a victory here. And I, th- I think his, his, as you said, his grappling prowess... We haven't really been able to see Nam Fan utilize his grappling skills, and that's that's what he came into the UFC with. He didn't come into the UFC having this crazy striking ability. He he's a jujitsu guy, and he hasn't been able to showcase that at all. I think I think we might actually see a lot of that in this fight. Yeah, but not you know. I I think he'll be cautious because Wan Lee he is a submission specialist. You know, he's he's a good submission ace and. I won't be surprised if Nam Fan wants to keep this fight standing. I think Wan Lee has a very good guard, personally, and you know he's been submitted a few times, but you know I think he's good off his back as well, and I think Nam Fan will be cautious of that. I won't be surprised if this turns out to be an all-out um, striking affair. Well, that would be fun. Now, what will be fun is the next matchup on the card. We have the heavyweights, which is awesome for the Asian fans. Um, what do you think we will see? And the fans will see out of Sean Jordan and Matt Mitrione. Dude, this this fight has knockout written all over it. You know, Matt Mitrione and and Sean Jordan and Sean Jordan. These guys are legitimate finishes, and both guys love the knockout more than everything. Um, you know, the the interesting thing about this fight is that both guys they need victories, and um, you know, and I think that's why they're going to be more open on fight night because, you know, quite frankly, they need to get back on the win column, especially Matt Mitrion. You know, he's on like uh, a two and three run with two of um, two of those defeats ending uh, in stoppages. He, he needs the victory more than anything else. And, you know, likewise can be said about Sean Jordan, which is why I think, you know, this fight is, is definitely not going the distance. I think there's going to be a knockout in this one. I agree with you a little bit, but I also have that sort of tentative feeling in my head where, both these guys do need the victory, as you're saying. So I could see them being sort of hesitant in there and, and not not looking for that finish because they just want to outpoint the other guy. Yeah, it's a possibility. But, you know, just just looking at the way they fight um, um, every time, you know, they step inside the octagon, you just know that whenever these guys fight, you can, you know, there's going to be a finish, you know, both Sean Jordan and Matt Mitrion, they've only gone the distance once in their career, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, um, for Matt Mitrion, he's gone twice, I'm sorry, and for Sean Jordan, he's gone thrice. So, you know, these guys, they don't go the distance often. So, you know, that's why I think there's going to be a knockout in this one. Hopefully, for sure, yeah. Now, the co-main event is the Tough China Welterweight Final, and I'll admit that I didn't watch an episode of the show. Um, so, please fill myself and the listeners in on how this fight or how you think this fight will play out and and who each of the guys are 
Um, you know, Wang Sai, he is one of China's, right now, one of chi uh, China's brightest stars. Um, he's actually been in, um, been training at Thailand, uh, at AKA Thailand with Mike Swick for, for this fight. And, you know, there's actually been a rumor going around that he's, he's uh, actually signed a, a modeling or, or a movie contract or something about that. And um, there's actually a possibility that, you know, he might lose this fight just so he can pursue that um, acting career. Um, yeah, like I said, it's just rumors going around, but he's definitely um, the favorite to, to win this one. You know, I think out of the two fighters, you know, both guys, they featured prominently in the Chinese mixed martial arts scene uh, with Wang Sai, um, of course, noted for his work in Legend Fighting Championship and um, with Tang Li Peng basically um, being a former rough uh, vet, you know, this fight, you know, both guys were, were really, um, were, they, you know, they, they really showcased their skills inside the tough house. And, um, you know, they, in, in my opinion, you know, in, in the welterweight tournament, I think they were the ones, you know, who looked the likely one, who looked likely to make it to the finals. They, they were always the ones who were going to make it to the finals. And um, I think it's going to be a cracker. We've seen the the Ultimate Fighter Brazil a couple of seasons. We now have Tough China. Um, the Brazil season, we haven't seen any of those guys that, that made it to the finals really stand out in the UFC and, and sort of make their presence known. Do you think either of these guys have a legitimate shot at the UFC's stacked welterweight division? I think, you know, out of the two fighters, Wang Sai and Tang Li Peng, I think Wang Sai does, you know, I mean, he trains with, with some of the best guys at AKA Thailand. Mike Swick, obviously, is a, he's a UFC vet. So, you know, if, with Wang Sai working closely with him, I think he stands a, a, legit, a legitimate chance of, of doing well in the UFC. I'm not too sure about Tang Li Peng's chances, though. All righty. Well, and then we have the main event up uh, next uh, between... Asian favorite Dong Hyun Kim and John Hathaway. Uh, what's your prediction for this fight? I'm going for Dong Hyun Kim with uh, a decision victory. Quite frankly, because first off, um, John Hathaway he hasn't fought in like a year, so there's definitely going to be the question of cage rust. And um, also, you have to factor in the fact that it's going to be a five round fight. And considering you've not fought for over a year, you know, there's going to be questions of a cardio. And, you know, Dong Hyun Kim has been on an absolute rampage of late. Um, he's on a three-fight winning streak. He's coming off that spectacular knockout over Eric Silva. I just don't see how he, win, how he doesn't win this fight. You know, I think their styles are really similar. Um, Dong Hyun Kim, obviously, with that brutal ground and pound in judo style. And John Hathaway, you know, with that grappling um, pedigree along with his good striking skills. It's, it's a close fight when you look at it stylistically, and both guys have similar records as well. But, you know, if I really have to, to pick a winner, I think Dong Hyun Kim will edge it just because of um, Hathaway's uh, layoff for the past year. Wait, he's, you said he's on a three-fight win streak. A win here would make it four. He's got to get a legitimate contender in, in his next fight if he wins this one, eh? Uh, yeah, I agree. But, you know, the problem with, with um, Dong Hyun Kim is that, you know, uh, um, just apart from the fights against DJ Grant and Nate Diaz, he, he doesn't really do too well against the top contenders. You know, he 
had that TKO defeat against Carlos Condit at UFC 132, and then uh, that TKO defeat against Damian Maya at UFC 148. So, you know, he hasn't been performing against, you know, the top guys of the division. And, you know, I, I like to see him get another crack at a top five or a top seven fighter. You know, and if he gets a win, then, you know, you can really see if he's a, a, a real force in the um, UFC's welterweight division. But make absolutely no mistakes that Dong Hyun Kim is a legitimate fighter and, you know, he's undoubtedly one of Asia's um, best MMA products to date. Now, uh, preliminary card, we're not going to go over it at all, but what fights or, or fight do you think that we should look out for? Because if there's a slew of Asian talent on the preliminary portion of this fight card. Yeah, dude. The one guy that all of you fans should really look out for is Jama BK to watch. And this man is an absolute beast. I mean, you know, on, on Sherdog, his record is like 14-0, and 0, but in actual fact, he's had over 30-plus fights. And he's won all of them. Um, Jama BK tuition. Usually, when you talk about Chinese fighters, you don't ever, you know, talk about their grappling credentials, you know. But Jama BK tuition, he has a very strong wrestling base. He started off in wrestling before he got into MMA. So he's one of those fighters that the American guys will not be able to will not be able to bully wrestling wise. Jama BK tuition is a fantastic wrestler and. Those striking skills have been coming along very well as well. Um, that and you know Jamal BK Tuition, he's got a great cardio. You know he, the, when he fights, you know he doesn't fight always to finish. He actually fights to go distance. He fights for 15 minutes. You know he, you know he he's a he's one of China's right now in my opinion one of China's best MMA talents you know and we all saw how Tsang Tia Chuan he's he's the UFC's first uh, fighter Chinese fighter how he did how he has fed in the UFC he hasn't done too well I think he's one and four or something like that inside the octagon I think Jama BK tuition will give you know the American fighters a real run for the money and you know real problems he he is nicknamed the wild wolf for a reason he's a fantastic talent and um, his fight against Mark Adeva, I think, in my opinion, it's, it's quite a mismatch. Mark Adeva is 5-0. Um, He's from Team Lakai in, in the Philippines. If you don't know, Team Lakai is actually one of the uh, top Asian MMA gyms in the region. And Mark Adeva fights out of that gym alongside 1FC um, fighters like Edward Falayang and Honorio Bernario. The problem with this fight, the reason why I think it's a mismatch is because, first off, Adeva, he hasn't fought in over three years. Um, he hasn't fought in over three years, and, you know, um, he's only 5-0. and oh, And we ha the problem is we haven't seen a lot of Mark Adeva. You know, Jama BK Tuesha, and he's been active, man. Just this past December, he had three fights in that month. And, you know, for, for a fact, you can tell that, you know, this fight is definitely going to end in the first round. Um, Mark Adeva, um, you know, the, the, the criticism that Team Lakai guys get these days is, you know, for their lack of grappling skills. And I think, you know, like I, like, like I mentioned before, you know, with Jumar BK Tuition's uh, strength, you know, being in wrestling, I think, that's why um, it's it's a bit of a mismatch because you know BK is going to destroy Mark Adeva on the ground and you know you know that could lead to to possibly a first round TKO finish. 
um, you know, BK has been training at Forget Top Team. You know, he's been training with guys like um, Andrew Leone and, you know, Rob Lazida and, and, and all these 1FC guys. You know, he's he has surrounded himself with good training partners. And, you know, that's why I believe BK is going to be a huge force to be reckoned with in, in the Asian region. And, of course, in, in the UFC, I, like I said before, I think, you know, he'll be able to give the American fighters a real run for their money. Um, and Ying Wang, um, just like uh, BK, he has been um, training at Phuket Top Team for this fight. Um, although um, on Sherdog, his record is 1-0, he's actually had like four fights. Uh, he'll be taking on Albert Cheng, who's actually from uh, Canada. Um, I, I fancy N Ying Wang to win this one. You know, this fight is actually a, a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Um, Albert Cheng, his strength lies in... Uh, his ground game while for Ending Wang um, he is uh, a striker by trade and you know I, I actually spoke to Ending Wang yesterday and he said you know he's looking for the first round knockout and I think he might get it because Albert Cheng um, we haven't seen a lot of his striking skills even in the tough China house and um, I just feel that you know he will fall victim to Enying Enying Wang, who who has legitimate knockout power. As for um, Alberto Mina and and Zach Cummings, you know I really like Alberto Mina. He he actually he is Brazilian, but he actually stays in in Hong Kong, and he trains at the uh, Epic MMA Fight Club alongside guys like uh, Vuyisil Colossa, who is a One FC um, veteran and. Um, Abdullahi, um, who is um, a road FC fighter, and Alberto Mina actually had the pleasure of the distinct pleasure actually of watching him compete just last December at a uh, Rebel Fighting Championship event in Singapore. And man, did he look so impressive! He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but if you look at his record, you know he's actually had more. Um, no, he's he's had like an equal number of TKO and submission victories. He's he's just so well versed both on his feet and on the ground. And that's impressive. And 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 yeah. it's gonna be an interesting fight as well because Zach Cummings is actually he's known for his grappling as well. Yeah, exactly. But you know, like I said, you know, Alberto Mina, he is um he is capable of striking as well and you know he has legitimate um knockout power. He can knock people out. Um, I'm not doubting the credentials of Zach Cummings. I think you know he he's a veteran man. He's had like 19 fights, and you know he he uh, yeah his grappling pedigree is definitely um, is definitely there. He's got like nine submission victories to his credit. So you know, and he looked really impressive in that submission win over Ben Alloway at yeah. C Fight Night 27. So yeah, it's gonna be a cool fight, man. I, I I just don't think this one hits the ground. And even if it does, I think both guys are high level grapplers and you know i think that will cancel that in itself will cancel each other out and you know that's why i think this fight will be contested on their feet the better striker will win that day if you if you could make your pick right now um for what fight on this card will win fight of the night what would it be matt mitri and sean jordan awesome i i can't wait for this fight card i i i don't know if i'll be able to wake up as er as early as it is on here but um i'm definitely gonna try and Check out at least the main card and, and definitely the replay of the preliminary card. Um, before I let you go here, Thinesh, I'd just like to go over some of the news that's gone on in the past week. Um, first up, 
I'd like to talk about Nate Diaz. He actually sent out a tweet today on Wednesday to the UFC and Dana White, and I'll read it for you. I would like to request to be released from the UFC. It's time for me to be on my way, dot, dot, question mark. Did, did anyone see this coming? Do you think that he's serious about being released from the organization? Do you think it's a ploy for money, sort of like the Gilbert Melendez situation? Um, what are your thoughts on this whole tweet? Um, yeah, I, I was just as surprised as everyone. Um, I, I'm honestly lost for words when I, when I first saw that tweet. But yeah, I think it, it's, it's panning out to be like the Gilbert Melendez situation, you know. Who knows, you know, maybe Jake Shields might follow suit next. I, I, I honestly don't know, but yeah, it, it did catch me by surprise. Very, very interesting. I mean, he hasn't fought since, um, I believe last uh, November when he beat Gray Maynard at the Tough 18 finale and he stopped him by TKO. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Nate Diaz. Um, his training partner, as we said, Gilbert Melendez, actually signed with Bellator, but the UFC had matching rights and they matched it. So he's now back and he's going to be taking on Anthony Pettis after they coach the Ultimate Fighter Season 20. Were you surprised at all that, that he took the UFC's offer? after signing with Bellator? Yeah, I was. I mean, you know, um, he signed with Bellator, so you would expect his next fight to be under the uh, Bellator banner. So, yeah, he it was quite a surprise to me. Yeah, I well, obviously, I mean, you, the place to be is the UFC. Um, so it, it's, it's a surprise in the fact that he sort of used it as a ploy. He used it as, hey, you need to give me more money in order for me to come back there. Yeah, and, and maybe that's what Nate Diaz is doing as well, you know. He wants to get maybe a title shot and, and, and it's a ploy that he's pulling off right now. Um, I honestly don't know, you know, the fighters know better. But, you know, if, if that was what, you know, uh, was indeed uh, Gilbert Melendez's intentions, then it worked out pretty well, didn't it? That it did, and and I mean, we no one knows what's going on in either of the Diaz brothers' heads, so so we'll leave it at that. I thank you a bunch, Thinesh, for joining me today. Um, thanks for going over the the past the past weekend's fight card, this upcoming weekend's fight card, and, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Um, you can follow me on on Twitter. I'm uh, at Tinesh John MMA T H I N E S H J O H-N-M-M-A. Thanks a bunch, Thinesh, and, and we'll have you on again from time to time. This was fun. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. He is Thinesh John. He uh, writes for MMASucker.com as well as Fight Sport Asia. That was a great little chance to go back and forth about not only last weekend's fight card, but this upcoming weekend's fight card and some of the news. Um, I didn't mention who else we had on the show today. We actually have the original founder of the UFC, Campbell McLaren, will be joining us right after this little break. Where somebody else takes you out of the frame And put your name to shame, cover up your face You can't run the race, the pace is too fast It just won't last This man was the founder of the UFC And he now has a new reality series on 1-2 Called Combate Americas 
please welcome Campbell friggin McLaren to the show Campbell thanks for joining me man <laughs> uh, great intro that was <laughs> fabulous uh, I like that very much you know um, I do have a new show called Combate Americas and it's so funny I think this TV network has the worst name ever I spend half my time explaining that is Mundos as in Uno, Dos, Tres, so it's Moon 2, uh, and then, I, you know, nobody gets it, and See, I think yeah, it's one of those names. Exactly. I'm sure for, they spent millions of dollars. For us in North America. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and me well, being... Isaiah, I don't, I, no one I know that speaks Spanish gets it immediately either. <laughs> um, a, a friend of mine today named Angel, Angel, was saying, now is that uh, Mundos Tres? I said, no, it's not Mundo's Trace. I said, there's no such thing as Moon 2, 3. So <laughs> everybody's confused by it, but it's definitely, it's M-U-N-2, uh, also pronounced Mundo's, uh, and it's part of NBCU Comcast. So it's not like it's with a small group. It's a great network. It's a great channel because um, I started watching it. They run all the uh, narco telenovelas with subtitles because my Spanish is very clunky. So I could, and those, the telenovelas, the narco ones are like Scarface every night, a different version. So I like that very much. And that's how I got to know it. And I thought it'd be a great place for Combate Americas. For sure. Now let's, let's sort of rewind a little bit here before we get into that. You started the UFC and now years later, you have your own reality show, which you're starting or has started this past week. Um, Just let our listeners know what you've been up to between the time you left the UFC till now? Um, You know, um, I worked on the UFC until, I guess, about 1997, 98, uh, and produced, you know, executive produced the first 22, uh, brought in Joe Rogan, brought in Joe Silva, helped design the Octagon, uh, put together the production team that, you know, is pretty much still in place there, Brought in Dan Severin, Mark Coleman, Mark Schultz, all the Olympic uh, uh, college wrestlers. So, you know, I, I think I really left my thumbprint and, you know, you know, really part of the DNA of what the UFC is now. Love the UFC. Uh, but, you know, again, just bringing in so- Silva and Rogan, you know, uh, really sort of shaped it for the next 20 years. Um, to all good, stay in touch with Dana. Dana's very gracious to me. Lorenzo, Fertitta, the same. I was out at the 20th Annie and, um, you know, was treated like an honored guest, which I guess I should be. Uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun and terrific, and I love GSP, so I got to see him fight in the Hendricks fight, which was terrific, too. But, you know, I all, I'm primarily a TV producer, and that's what I've done. I've done a lot of big event specials with people like Sarah McLaughlin, uh, Paul McCartney, uh, hip-hop artists, uh, big comedy specials. Uh, created a number of TV series, uh, The Wrong Man, about wrongfully uh, convicted guys, did that for Court TV and then became True TV. Did Major Misbehavior, which was cops on college campuses, which was a very funny show, <laughs> uh, uh, and created something called Zylo, which was the biggest college TV uh, network in the world. And out of that came something called College Humor. So you know, I've helped launch a lot of successful stuff and, you know, done some great TV programming. Um, but I also did, I don't know if uh, your listeners will know, I did something called the Iron Ring about four years ago, which was hip-hop stars and, and MMA. 
and I had Nelly and P.I. and Ludacris and some guy named Floyd Mayweather. He's really a lousy singer, <laughs> uh, but, he, but, but he was a good boxer. Uh, and I gave them teams of fighters, and you know we had um, we had a lot of success for that. I had a lot of problems. It was really that show that really gave me the idea and the inspiration to do Combate Americas. You know, uh, the Iron Ring, I tell you, the Iron Ring's ratings were fantastic. It beat every Bellator episode uh, of their uh, reality show, and it was on BPT, which is, you know, another Viacom network. But the ratings were great, but we had a lot of problems. And as I built it out, I really saw, you know, how I could change something and make it better, and I think I did. But, you know, I've never wanted to do another MMA project. The UFC is. It's not perfect in my mind. It's pretty close. I mean, it's I love the UFC, and there was no point to doing another MMA project. I like doing Combate Americas because I think it's aimed at a very new audience. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the U.S., you know, the Hispanic um, U.S. Hispanic population is about fifty five million. So you know, that's a little bigger than uh, the entire population of Canada by almost three times. So it's a lot of people. <laughs> Um, it's folks that come out of a boxing tradition, to an extent, uh, Lucha Libre, to the, 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 the wrestling tradition. So it's very different. You know, I think the development of MMA, Canada and the U.S. were right in lockstep, you know, because the, the, the West Coast of Canada, uh, Calgary and up there, they started having ultimate fight style fighting like the year after we launched that I would hear about. And of course, you know, Montreal is such a great part of the fight scene in GSP. Uh, and we had, um, Oh, what was the crazy Canadian that came in on UFC too? I'm drawing a blank on this. Harlan Howard. who tried to flip to try to do a heel kick on the top of someone's head in UFC too. So, you know, I think, you know, you know, MMA in Canada and the U.S. is kind of the same history. You know, it's kind of the same development. Yeah. Um, you know, but you do have a group of people in the U.S. that really have a very – they've heard of MMA. They've heard of the UFC, but they don't know what it is. Yeah, now I heard you uh, You just spoke about the guys that you brought in when, when you first started the UFC and whatnot. And it was down the road a little bit that you brought in Joe Rogan. I heard you on his podcast last week, which is awesome. The conversations you guys had were, you know, back and forth. And, and Joe's a character himself. So what was yes, it about this is. guy? What was it about this guy that you saw in the early days that made you know that you should bring him on board? Well, you know, uh, a bit of a background. Joe's manager also manages Kevin James. And, uh, you know, it's strangely, uh, or maybe appropriately, I had a real background in comedy before, you know, I went to work at the pay-per-view company where I launched the UFC, you know. And uh, I did a lot of work with comedians. I managed uh, a couple famous comedians, uh, Louis Black and Larry David, the creator of the Seinfeld mm-hmm. show with Jerry. So, you know, I had a real comedy background and Joe was very new comic coming up at the time. And uh, like I said, I knew the manager and Joe had this tough guy persona. You know, Joe has perfected it over the years, but it, it wasn't a change. I mean, he, I think Joe was born screaming out stuff. Take that over there. You need to do this. I don't think that's it. You know, <laughs> he just got that in your face attitude. And on UFC one, 
and, and some of the subsequent UFCs. I mean, I got to say, UFC one probably had the worst sports casting team in history. I mean, I think it was just just the worst. I mean, it wasn't the second worst; it was the absolute worst. And I kept trying to find ways and folks to, um, you know, that could add to it. But you know, you know, the real problem. I mean, now it seems funny now when we think about it. But nobody back then. Here was my choice. People that were good on air or people that knew what was happening in the octagon, but there wasn't both. Yeah. You know, there really wasn't because we were changing it and inventing it and creating it and developing it as we went along. So you could bring in broadcasters. Bruce Beck, you know, who's now on NBC, uh, great. But, I mean, he was watching, trying to figure out what to do. The only thing he could figure out to do was memorize. He has an amazing memory and a and brain power. And he just memorized everything about the guys. So he could say, well, he went to train here and work with this one, but no one knew what to say. And Rogan came from that background of, you know, he's used to being heckled. He worked in comedy clubs uh, up for anything. Could be funny, could be serious. Also, he's kind of looked the part of a fighter. And, um, you know, it just seemed like he would be a very good utility man to have on the team. Now, I have one more question before we get to the show. Um, obviously, back in the day, you were fighting the negative feedback from people right off the hop, the human cockfighting comments and whatnot. And you also said to Joe that, that that was part of the reason why you couldn't bring in women because, you know, you were already fighting the human cockfighting battle. Did you ever imagine <laughs> that, that we would get to the point where women are in the UFC and even more so main eventing pay-per-views? I'm debating whether to do a human cockfighting joke here. With that <laughs> uh, you know, I had Kathy Long as a commentator on the first UFC, and she was a very well-known kickboxer at the time. So I was certainly aware that there were women fighters out there, and I liked Kathy a lot. Um, but, you know, I think what it took to make it as popular as it is, and I'm a huge rounder fan. I'm a huge Ronda fan. We needed like three or four years of attractive, well-spoken, marketable women that could kick ass, you know, and we had a series, you know, Gina and, you know, Ronda just kind of feeds into that. Uh, and, you know, we needed to get people ready and then you needed somebody that really had to follow through and that was Ronda. So sometimes, you know, you can have the idea, but the world isn't ready for it. So it's not a matter of, you know, did I know or did I not know? It wouldn't, I don't think it would have worked back then. So it was um, in your head a little it was bit? Also, absolutely. I'm telling you, we, I, I purposely put Kathy Long in the broadcast team. You know, uh, you know, I wanted to know if there were women out there fighting, you know. Uh, there were a few women boxers. Uh, you know, there was um, uh, uh, John Sales movie, Girl Fight. You know, uh, John Sales had asked me to help raise money for the movie. It was about a woman boxer. So yep. I read the script. This is this is going back a while ago. I read the script. I thought it was a great story and interesting. And, you know, yeah, I was definitely aware of it and definitely thinking about it. It just wasn't the timing just wasn't right. And I don't know if the talent was right at the time. You know, uh, you needed, like I said, you needed to have a group of women. And the person that I think does the best job, I mean, Rhonda's the best, but... Sharon Knapp at Invicta puts on great events. 
the Invicta events are great, and the women fight really hard, and they're real characters. And if you you know, you won't have any more fun at an MMA event than you will at Invicta. It's as much fun as anything. You know, it, it's not the giant show the UFC is, but everybody gets their money's worth at Invicta. So I'm I'm a fan of women's MMA. Big John said something interesting to me. He said, uh, he goes, you know, MMA might be the best sport for women to compete in because if you look at tennis or basketball or boxing, those are upper body sports primarily. And uh, women are always going to look a lot less than men in upper body sports. But if you have a sport that combines leverage technique below uh, the hips power, and upper body, then the women's, the matchups are just so much better. So if you think about it, jiu-jitsu is a great sport for a woman. You know, it uses balance, leverage, physics. Um, I'm not saying Rhonda isn't strong. If she hit me in the face, I would cry like a little baby. But, uh, you know, male above the waist, you know, upper body strength is much more powerful than women. So MMA is a great sport for women to, you know, achieve and excel in. Now on to Combate Americas. It has the big wigs from uh, Buna Murray behind it, the real world, uh, the road <laughs> rules challenge or whatever it was. Um, how did that whole partnership come about? Well, uh, really good question. Uh, and their their wigs are big, uh, you know, because you know you you could argue they created reality TV with the real world, but. I got to say, what caught my attention is doing shows like Bad Girls Club on Oxygen and all the Kardashian shows uh, and Project Runway. You know, they're, they have really done well building out stars. The Kardashians, um, you know, uh, I don't know. There's an old TV show called The Brady Bunch. Do yeah. you remember it? Yeah. So that when the Kardashians started, um, uh, Bunna Murray pitched that show as the new Brady Bunch. <laughs> which is unfathomable, right? I mean, that's just, they don't seem like the Brady Bunch. Well, yeah. And I think no. Bunnemar- so I think what happened is Bunny Murray is able to create these huge stars and really develop the personalities. And so getting them involved was just great because you'll notice when you see my, my our reality series, you know, started last night, uh, started Sunday, February 23rd. And, um, you know, we're rolling out live events, uh, you know, an entire franchise. We're signing fighters. We are doing a full-on sports franchise. Um, however, I want it to be on TV first. I want it to build up the guys. Uh, I want to get people to care whether they win or lose. There's a lot of fighting on TV now, and I don't mean the UFC. I mean, there's a lot of fighting. And if you don't care who's in it, it's very different to watch a fight. You're watching a series of, you know, kicks, punches, takedowns, chokes. If you care about somebody, it becomes a really different thing. So we wanted to make the TV audience really care about these guys. Love them or hate them. It's, I don't care. You know, Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Do you think people love him more or hate him more? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just pay attention. And so that's what Gordon Murray brings to this. They let us build up the personalities of these guys. Which is fantastic, but the, the, so the question I have then, and you, and you sort of spoke about it a little bit earlier on, um, with so many people saying, you know, that the Ultimate Fighter has been played out, and it's been on for so long, there's lots of people, other than the hardcore fans, you know, that aren't watching it anymore. What made you think a reality TV show for mixed martial arts fighters could still work? Um... 
you know, look, uh, Shakespeare said nothing new under the sun, you know, and I'm not going to argue with Shakespeare. So I'm not saying that we're reinventing television here. However, I'll give you a food analogy, right? Um, pizza and a cheese enchilada have essentially the same ingredients, right? Tomato sauce, cheese, you know, and dough. And, but they taste very differently, right? No one will confuse a cheese enchilada with a pizza. And I think, you know, that may sound kind of silly, but I really think that's the difference here. I didn't take a bunch of guys and put them in a house and lock the doors, take away their cell phones, give them too much Red Bull, and have their over-testosterone personality super pumped up and drive them crazy till they bounce off walls. Now, I'm not saying I don't like that type of show because I do like The Ultimate Fighter. And I'm not sure it's played out. It's had a great run. They may, There's stuff that they still can do. But that's that take. Mine was very different. I brought in people from, two guys from Mexico, the rest from the U.S., and but from Illinois, from Chicago, from Florida, from Texas, from California, from Arkansas. We have a guy who calls himself a Mexican redneck from Arkansas. And I brought them here, and I wanted to tell the stories. Um, you know, Canada and the U.S. are immigrant nations, you know. It, it, there were people here before the Europeans arrived, but that's not who's pretty much populating the place now. You know, I'm Scottish, so a lot of Scots went to Canada. Uh, you know, in the U.S., European was followed by now Hispanic uh, immigration. And the immigrant story is always an interesting one. The immigrant comes to the new land, wants to make a better life for himself, for his children, for her children, and works hard, struggles, wants to make it right. And that's kind of the stories I'm telling. So other than catering to the Latino market, for uh, those that haven't watched the debut episode, um, you, you sort of mentioned how it differs from The Ultimate Fighter, but was that the way you were going? Was simply because I mean I watched the I watched the initial episode last night. I actually watched it early because I got a screener from Jen Wink, um, and and I'm not a guy who who normally watches shows where there's you know two different languages being spoken. So why did you go about it this way? Um. Well, uh, you know, it's a it's a bilingual network, so. You know, you've been to Montreal, right? Yes. When you go to Montreal, people go in and out of English and French in the same sentence sometimes. And uh, Miami's very much like that. It's English and Spanish. And that's how it's set up. If you come on the show you, and you don't speak Spanish, Horace Gracie doesn't speak Spanish, so he speaks in English. Um, Eddie Alvarez from Bellator, the Bellator champ, you know, he's got a Hispanic name, but he speaks no Spanish. Joe Vigaldini from Glory, you know, great fighter, no Spanish. So it's really bilingual. You speak the language that you're, you speak your first language in my show. However, the majority of people are either, uh, more comfortable in Spanish or uh, a little bit better at Spanish and English. So, you know, most of the speaking is in Spanish, but here I have this MMA background and I think I'm doing a show with interesting fighters and I did, you know, co-create the UFC. So I thought, let's get in English speakers too. And, you know, uh, here's my sampling, right? The show was tested off 
the wall for the network, by the way. It's one of the best testing shows in the network's history. I had a, like a party here last night and I had a lot of 20-somethings. And they were laughing out loud. One, only one or two Spanish speakers. Uh, you know, they were really laughing at the guys, particularly JC and Danny. I don't know. And if you see episode two, episode two is laugh out loud fun because <laughs> they're, they're just really. So I wanted everyone to watch. You're exactly right. People don't tend to watch subtitles unless they're foreign film mm-hmm. lovers or something. Um, but on the other hand, I think these guys' personalities came through. Um, and I, 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 Jeremy, I, I want you to watch. You know, you don't speak Spanish, but I want you to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want the fight fan to like these guys. Um, and uh, you saw Danny, you know, a lot, not me. Again, I, full disclosure, I'm a promoter. I put the best spit on everything. I love this show. I love what I do. A lot of people are saying Danny looks a lot like a young Floyd Mayweather. So you need to watch this show because Danny and a couple of the other guys are pretty interesting fighters. Yeah, we we saw we we see the personalities coming into play, and I'm sure we'll see that throughout the season. Um, the question I had I had a couple guys um, that watched the show last night actually messaged me after the show, and they were wondering why were there no dedicated coaches brought in for the teams. You know what? That, that's you know that's the best question you've asked yet, and if it's your friend's question or somebody else's question, kudos to them. Simple reason. We ha- I had really good coaches. Uh, and, you know, American Top Team is down there, and Black Zillions are down there. You know, we had really good guys. Look at it. It's a, logis- it's a numbers issue. <clears throat> I have 10 fighters. I started with 12, as you saw, two got hurt. I have 10 fighters. I have Chino Inacho, so I have two hosts. I have Andrea Calle, who I love so much, I totally love her. And she's, <laughs> you know, a real... She's a real journalist, a real MMA journalist for the past four years at El Octagono, you know, the uh, Spanish language uh, uh, website. Yeah. And she really, the fight business, and she's gorgeous. So I've got 10 fighters, Chino Inacho, Andrea Calle. We had Piolin, you know, who's a very famous radio personality. And I think my Joe Rogan, as I develop out, you know, the franchise, had Piolin and... Um, you know, already you're up to, I lost track. What is that? 14 people? Yep. So really, I'm going to put, you know, what, three, four more coaches, trainers in? And there's going to be more guests come in. And then I've got Hoyce and Eddie Alvarez, you know, Bazooka Joe. It was too many people. So we just really had to make a TV decision. It's a TV, not a fight decision. It was a TV decision to limit the personalities. I mean, the human brain can only take in so many people before you, you know, it explodes. I think for sure. And I <laughs> guess, I guess with, I mean, we've seen the Ultimate Fighter. They got the two coaches. We saw Fightmaster Bellator series. They had their coaches. So you are putting a different twist on things in this terms as well as the, you know, Spanish language speaking thing. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I emphasize. I'm really focused on the backstory and the personalities of these guys, not necessarily building out conflicts. Conflicts come up. They really do. Already you see JC and Danny really don't like each other. But this is more, I think it's a richer story. I think the storylines are, 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 are more personal, and I think they're, they, they get more developed and more involved. 
rather than two guys up in each other's face. That almost I also like. That almost I also like. <laughs> yeah, for sure, and that almost comes from <laughs> from background and and their nationality as well. Do you not think? Because we see a lot of pride when it comes to say Mexicans and and Spanish people and whatnot, and and personalities are so different from that of Americans. Absolutely. You know, and some people say, there's an old saying, you know, among Spanish speakers, they say English is the language that unites, because the whole world is speaking English now. You know, China, they speak English. You know, the Germans speak better English than the English. Now, maybe that's an exaggeration. But, you know, (laughs) English has become the universal language. Where if you go to Mexico, Puerto Rico, Colombia, you know, everyone has a little different version of the Spanish. So English is a language that unites, and Spanish is a language that divides. That's how Spanish speakers talk about it. So, yes, the Nat, you know, Puerto Ricans will clap for a Mexican fighter unless he's fighting a Puerto Rican fighter. You know, that's kind of, it's like we all support the home team, Latins together, unless we're fighting each other. Yeah. So, yes, there's a lot of that in it. You know, you see we've got Cubans, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, um, all with the hyphen in American on the end of it, and to actual Mexicans, Mexican-Mexicans. So it's a, it's a good group. It's a spicy group. Well, us Canadians don't get this Mundos ch- channel up here in Canada. Um, is the Do you know if the only way... We get to watch it is online when it's replayed on their website then? Well, we have sold uh, the TV rights to a very famous company called Banajay, and they are in the process of taking it around the world. But because the enterprise is so new, I think that you're maybe the end of the year before it's on TV in Canada. There will be a Canadian TV outlet. Um, but, you know, it's a little while yet, just because. Things take a little while. We sold it three weeks ago at NAPI, which is the big TV conference. So I was very proud that the show, which hadn't even been on TV in the U.S., was then sold around the world. No kidding. But we've yet to buy. Yeah, I mean, but you got to look at this, and you know, look, um, you know, I did, you know, arguably create all the creative elements of UFC. Bunna Murray started reality TV. The stars I have in this, you know, like Daddy Yankees, 7 million Twitter followers, Artist of the Year, people in Espanol, you know, which is the biggest magazine in the U.S. Uh, you know, I've got a ton of talent. I've got Hoist Gracie. We really have a lot in this show. So, you know, um, bear with us, Canada. I want you to see it. You know, please watch it online. And then by second season, we'll probably be up and running in Canada. Um, so there already is a plan for that second season. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, with the first se- first episode over and done with, what exactly can fans expect from the rest of this season? Um, well, I'll tell you. The, here's some of the highlights. Um, Hoist Gracie came in, and you know I know Hoist twenty years now. Um, he I, I, Hoist is now the Buddha, by the way. Um, <laughs> I mean, he has transcended this plane. He really has. And when he came in, the fighters were so awed that they he came to shake hands and meet everyone. None of them would shake hands until they'd come to him and formally bowed. Then, after everyone had bowed, then they shook his hands. And they're like, I thought, this is like the Dalai Lama is here. It's Yoda. He's Yoda. 
So uh, I loved the hoist episode. That was really, really good. Um, episode 9 and 10 have our full-on fights. The fights are great. Some of the fights, I don't want to say who's in it because you got to watch the series to see who's in it. The fights are great. Eddie Alvarez, the guys came in, they're beat down from the reality competition part of the show, and they're trying to train and get ready for their actual fights. And they're really kind of strung out. They're really kind of in a bad place. They're physically, mentally tired and can't figure out where to put their energy. And I don't know how familiar you are with what Eddie Alvarez went through on the business side between, you know, being oh, yeah. sort of hung out to dry by yeah. Bellator. So, and I'm a, I like Eddie a lot. So he comes in and he says, you know, dudes, you got to, you know, you got to stay focused. Sometimes the biggest fight is not in the cage. And, you know, that was great advice. And I really, you know, I really liked, you know, that part of it. So I think we've got some great highlights, great fighters, good action, great fights. Um, you know, so it's, I, I'm very proud of the show. You know, I think we've really got a lot happening. Um, uh, and that's, you know, if you speak Spanish, I said this, someone asked me, you know, it does it translate. It's like, I think we could have done this show in Aramaic. You know, which I think is a dead language. I'm not sure. I know it's an old language, and I think we'd have been okay. So, you know, I'd love it if you watch. And if I could plug my Twitter again, I'd love to hear from everyone. And it's uh, at Campbell Combate. Um, and I'm really trying to answer as many as I can. If someone has a comment on the show, I'd really like them to post it. Good, bad, or indifferent. You know, we're trying to, we're, we want to hear from the fans. Definitely. Final question for you, Campbell. You created the monster that is the UFC. You've created this new reality series, which it could blow up to being a monster, which which you hope, obviously. What is the goal for Combate America over this next little while? Um, well, you know, we wanna we wanna reach out to fans, you know, Spanish speaking and not, and you know, I think bring in a new group of fans to MMA. Um, you know, there's a lot of really, your listeners are knowledgeable, Joe Rogan's listeners are knowledgeable, but there's a lot of people who would really come to this sport and like MMA and like the UFC if they could just find the right vehicle to teach them about it. So this is a beginner course for new fans, and that's who I want to reach. But I'm telling you, I think the stories are so great and the guys are so great. Even the hardest hardcore will like it. Um, but for me, the goal is to, to educate new fans, bring new fans in and really raise MMA to the next level. You know, there's an old expression, a rising tide lifts all ships. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm kind of, you know, I'm trying to raise the tide so that we all in the MMA world can all just keep floating higher and higher. No kidding, man. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, and honestly, I've, I've wanted to talk to you for quite some time now, even before you had this new project on your hands, because... I personally, I've been a fan of MMA for a long time and UFC as I remember watching it in my buddy's basement back in like in the in the 90s when you were creating these UFCs. And I thought it was an absolute spectacle. So I'm glad you were available <laughs> for this interview. And and it's been a pleasure. I just want you to give our listeners one last reason to watch your newest venture, Combate America, and, and let them know where they can watch it, find it on social media and whatnot. Yeah, so it's Mundos, M-U-N-2, Mundos. And if you search online, there is uh, 
uh, it's embedded on the channel there, on the website there, so you can watch it online. There's also a channel finder. So if you are in the U.S. or, you know, I'm not sure if Toronto carries it or not, but um, some of the satellite systems, direct and dish, do carry Mundo. So you might be able to get it that way. So check out Mundo's M-U-N-2. And the reason to watch it is it's just really a great show. Thanks a bunch, Campbell, and, and all the best with this My new project. My pleasure. Thank you very much. It was great to talk to you. I, re I really enjoyed it. Please have me back on. Don't wait until I launch another franchise after this. Okay. Oh, uh, you know what? You, you want me to talk a bit more about um, the, the first fight of the card and then maybe from, from there go on to the second fight and then the third fight. Sure. Yeah, you cool with that? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So so I just start, just start off? Yeah, just start talking as if you were still talking about that fight. Okay, cool. Um, Mark Adiva, um, you know, the, the, the criticism that Team Lakai guys get these days is you know, for their lack of grappling skills. And I think, you know, like I, like, like I mentioned before, you know, with Jumar BK, Tuition's uh, strength, you know, being in wrestling, I think that's why um, it's, it's a bit of a mismatch because, you know, BK is going to destroy Mark Ediva on the ground and, you know, you know that could lead to, to possibly a first-round TKO finish. Um, you know, BK has been training at Forget Top Team. You know, he's been training with guys like... Um, Andrew Leone and you know Rob Lazida and, and and all these one FC guys you know he's he has surrounded himself with good training partners and you know that's why I believe BK is going to be a huge force to be reckoned with in in the Asian region and of course in in the UFC I, like I said before I think you know he'll be able to give the American fighters a real run for their money um, and Ying Wang um, just like uh, BK he has been um, training at Phuket top team for this fight. Um, although um, on Sherdog, his record is 1-0, he's actually had like four fights. Uh, he'll be taking on Albert Cheng, who's actually from uh, Canada. Um, I, I fancy An Ying Wang to win this one. You know, this fight is actually a, a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Um, Albert Cheng, his strength lies in uh, his ground game while for En Ying Wang, um, he is uh, a striker by trade, and you know I, I actually spoke to En Ying Wang yesterday, and he said you know he's looking for the first round knockout, and I think he might get it because Albert Cheng, um, we haven't seen a lot of his striking skills even in the tough China house, and um, I just feel that you know he will fall victim to En Ying En Ying Wang who who has legitimate knockout power. As for um, Alberto Mina and, and Zach Cummings, you know, I really like Alberto Mina. He, he actually, he is Brazilian, but he actually stays in, in Hong Kong and he trains at the uh, Epic MMA Fight Club alongside guys like uh, Buyisil Colossa, who is a 1FC um, veteran and um, Abdullahi, um, who is um, a road FC fighter. And Alberto Mina actually had the pleasure of, the distinct pleasure actually of watching him compete just last December at a uh, Rebel Fighting Championship event in Singapore. And man, did he look so impressive. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but if you look at his record, you know, he's actually had more, um, no, he's, he's had like an equal number of TKO and submission victories. He's, he's just so well versed both on his feet and 
on the ground. And that's impressive, that's, and 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 yeah. it's going to be an interesting fight as well because Zach Cummings is actually he's known for his grappling as well. Yeah, exactly. But you know, like I said, you know, Alberto Mina, he is um, he is capable of striking as well, and you know, he has legitimate um, knockout power. He can knock people out. Um, I'm not doubting the credentials of Zach Cummings. I think you know he he's a veteran man. He's had like 19 fights, and you know he he uh, yeah his grappling pedigree is definitely um, is definitely there. He's got like nine submission victories to his credit. So you know, and he looked really impressive in that submission win over Ben Alloway at yeah. Fight Night 27. So yeah, it's gonna be a cool fight, man. I, I I just don't think this one hits the ground. And even if it does, I think both guys are high level grapplers and you know i think that will cancel that in itself will cancel each other out and you know that's why i think this fight will be contested on their feet the better striker will win that day if you, if you could make your pick right now um for what fight on this card will win fight of the night what would it be matt mitri and sean jordan there you have it perfect yeah. that do it for you yeah, that do it. Yeah, that'd be okay, man. Although <laughs> I didn't talk about Nam Yuichul. Fuck. <laughs> That's okay. It's all good. You covered ninety percent of the ninety-eight percent of the card. Yeah, you you, th- you thought it was okay. I thought it was great, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I I don't really speak speak very well, especially in radio shows. I mean, I, I speak differently when 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 I'm face to face with you. But you know, in radio shows, I tend to get nervous and stuff. So. You know, I, I, you know, I got the tendency of stuttering and shit like that. Fuck. No, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. I was the same way when I first started out. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is like my second ever radio show episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, dude. I'm going to edit it together and, and throw it up here in a little bit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You know, it's so good to finally hear your voice. <laughs> For sure. Exactly. All right, buddy. Yeah, thanks, man. Take care. Yeah, take care. Right, we were talking about, uh, you know, how, you know, Black Ferris can't reach out to the community. You know, you and Demetrius have been both fighting on uh, Fox last December. Have you gotten more attention based off a of fight from Fox? Like, you know, from your community, if anything? Oh, yeah, uh, I would say in California mostly. Uh, out here, man, I'm in awkwardest places. Like, I was telling somebody, I was at a club, and it was dark as hell. And, you know, I'm not the lightest person in the club. And this dude was, like, right across from me, like, that's your ride home! And I just walked in, like, dude, how the hell did you spot me, bro? Like, uh, how did you see me in this dark? It's like, I know your head, bro. Like, All right, cool. I'm talking about you. But, you know, I, I get those people, and um, you know, I, I, when I get those uh, people, you know, I, I get a lot of kids too, like you know, African American kids. And they're always throwing that inspirational thing on me, and you know, again, it didn't hit me like she said, like I was inspiring people. Uh, and uh, got a lot of people, cops came up to me. Cool. Today, Today even they got outside of Rockefeller. But this one time came up to me and I yeah. thought we were getting arrested. <laughs> they actually did the whoop whoop. Like we were walking and I thought my friend did something. I looked at him like, what did you do, bro? And the cop was running to us and I was like this and he was like, hey man, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank you, bro. So, it's, it, it's cool, man. It's cool. What about you, Demetrius? 
from you know based on fight from Fox, you know you main evented three times last oh, yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say uh, a lot, huge, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. You know, uh, I, I barely leave the house, but when I do, it's like people notice me, and and it's cool. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Rhonda's worse, bro. She'd be like yeah. this. So yeah, you know, this one time a bad camp. Right, yeah. Are you kidding me? So she got hanging yeah. stuff. Hanging hang balls, yeah, right? Yeah. Hanging balls. <laughs> and I'm trying to think, well, what did I do so differently on the show? And I guess I guess my story they took where I was here, here, and here, and now I got it to here. So I think that the sport's definitely growing. And if we just keep that positive outlook and that positive regimen, in that you know way, we will make you get far. And something like this is definitely gonna be a booster. So I agree with everything he says about being that example of a better model. You know, because we can't do this forever. Kids are a future pretty much. Pass it on. Pay for it. Give it. Stay black. Stay black. <laughs> yep, I'm waiting for it. Stay black. <laughs> what do you think, Karen? Is is it important to you guys to, to kind of you know bring MMA to to a bigger audience? You know to. I think so. I, I, which is why I was really kind of intent on wanting to do this because yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't understand. I, I always tell people just just come to one fight or just watch one right. fight with me, and if you absolutely don't like it after you've seen it, then all right. But I feel like it's I don't know why if it's the resistance like you said with the ground game or what. But I think it's important because I, I it's a great outlet. I mean, I, I worked for Showtime Championship Boxing for three and a half years, and we've heard over and over and over and over the guy, the story of the guy who you know brought his family out of out of a, you know poor situation by strapping on some boxing gloves and literally fighting out of poverty. And I feel that this is a, a equivalent opportunity, you know, for people to, to better their lives. And because I spend so much time, you know, obviously I'm not in it as much as you guys, but the amount of time I spend in the gyms, the amount of um, respect, loyalty, um, just life lessons that I feel that people learn in the gym amongst their teammates is something that you can carry forward into other parts of your life. And I, and I really believe that's very strong, that whole martial arts uh, uh, mindset. Um, of, of honor and respect and duty and service, all of that. I just think it's really important. And I just also, not for nothing, the, the, the amount of athleticism that, that black athletes could bring to the sport could be phenomenal, you know? And it's another outlet if guys are amazing wrestlers in college who can now make a career. Like Tyron Woodley was like 48-0 in college as a wrestler or something insane. You know, I mean, now it's a, a legitimate job opportunity. And I think if they take it like these guys are doing with you know the right mindset and, and being mindful of the uh, of looking after your brand and your person and all and as well as yourself as an athlete it's a great opportunity and because it's an individual thing you know some people may not oh i don't have a football team to join i don't have a you know whatever to get on you know you for a little bit of money even nothing you could walk into a gym and be like look i don't have any pads i don't have any gear but i would love to learn how to wrestle or something i feel like the people that i know the gyms i know would welcome you you know, somebody like Martin Munoz does all kinds of, um, you know, uh, seminars and stuff for yeah. kids all the time, constantly. And I find that so many people I know in the in the sport are like that. They're constantly trying to give and and foster the, the sport and keep keep newcomers, uh, you know, joining in. So there's still, um, and, and it's it's a little bit of a data perception, but there's still a perception like that MMA is for like, you know. Redneck, like heads. white people yeah. from, exactly. from like the south. Yeah. Have you guys ever gotten that from like you know one of your friends? Like, why are you doing that? It's all a bunch of like you know white dudes and like tap out shirts, you know, from the south. <laughs> well, my yeah. friends don't say, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. But <laughs> 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 
But I get people who kind of already put in that, uh, yeah. characterizes that already, like, dude, you know, uh, the people who are not smart or uh, right. don't know what they're doing or just accountable or whatever. And I'm just like, no, man, I, I, I'm, I'm not like that. I don't walk around punching people in the face, you know, I right. make profession in the rain. To me, it's like, it's art. You know, it's, it's really art. You're thinking on your feet. You have all these tools. You have your jiu-jitsu, your wrestling, your kickboxing, your boxing, and your painting while you're in there, man. And I, I know to a lot of people that just already just see punching, right. and and maybe those people never got in a, a confrontation in their life, so maybe to them they're just scared. But like Karen said, and if you actually give it a chance, and who's that uh, guy who's running? President, he was supposed to be a resident. Damn. Oh, um, McCain? McCain, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he had to say, oh, you know, in the beginning, but, you know, yeah, I, wasn't sure, right. I wasn't sure, but now, right. you know, it, it's safer and uh, right. there's a lot of things that's changed with it. So it's just giving yeah. it a chance. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I definitely get it. You know, as a rockers, yeah. people say, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a sportscaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't you know how to what, tell what, people what, I do. What do you cover? I'm like, um, fighting. <laughs> And then I just kind of pause one one thousand two one thousand and see you know where they go and it's just it's very unexpected. Yeah. Um, it's unexpected and I think I think honestly being a woman covering this kind of softens it to some people like wow well if there's a, there's a chick covering it and then now that you have really good women fighters too I think that's I'm not saying I'm a personal per se breaking it down but I think when people see that there's more women in the sports and other kinds of journalists who are coming to the sports to cover it as a real thing uh, I think it's definitely helpful. Do you feel like, as I guess, black athletes in this specific sport, that you get a lot of it's more pressure for you guys to have this role of I am a professional athlete. I don't wear my pants sagging. I don't do this, as opposed to other athletes in your sport that you're under, you know, a microscope. In the sport, or yeah. as an athlete overall. In the sport. Not as an athlete overall, because I feel like in any other sport, it kind of would be maybe a little bit like if you play football, there are a lot of black football. But in your sport, not so much. And then you have this like club that is a redneck sport, like no yeah. one watches it. And now here you two, you two guys are, and you're doing your thing. You're a champion. You're on your way, and it's like, do I have to? Do I have this microphone? Are people watching me even harder, like even more, as an individual? The more pressure. Well, I know for me, if I sneeze, it'll be in the tabloids. Like, oh, you're right, I'll sneeze. <laughs> <laughs>